0: Perhaps you've heard the proverb, iron is sharpened by iron, one person sharpens another. It's true that in the life of faith, we gain untold help from our brothers and sisters God has placed in our life. I remember one particular comment from a Christian brother of mine that has challenged me ever since he offered it. I'll tell you what it was, coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome
1: to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley.
0: It's 11 a.m. Central, so it's time for The Inner Life right here on Relevant Radio. This show is all about spiritual direction where we seek to sharpen one another in living out the life of faith. I'm your host, Patrick Conley. I was in seminary for the Anglican Communion back in the mid-2000s, and I spent a lot of time with others who were pursuant after ordination in that Protestant tradition. I made a lot of good friends who helped me immeasurably in my spiritual journey, not least of which those who helped me explore the Catholic faith. And it was one of those very friends who offered the long-enduring comment. We were talking about Jesus' return at the end of time. And he said, No one lives as if he could return at any moment. No one thinks about that. Now, knowing that he has a tendency to talk in extremities, I challenged him. And I said, well, I think about it. And he said, no, you don't. Now, this was not as accusatory as it might sound. He was a good friend and a brother in Christ. And so he was offering this rebuff from the place of that friendship and brotherhood. And I have to say, his rebuke got me to thinking. Do I think about Jesus' return each day? Do I live as though he could return at any moment? What would that mean for my life? It stuck with me, and it continues to be a subject of reflection for me. Today on the show, we're talking about the second coming of Christ, which is, of course, part of what it means to live out this holy season of Advent. What does the reality of Jesus' coming again mean for your day-to-day walk of faith? guiding our discussion today is our spiritual director father ramil fajardo father ramil is a priest of the archdiocese of chicago where he serves in variety of capacities at holy name cathedral as judge of the metropolitan tribunal as the cardinal's delegate for the saint james chapel and as rector of the national shrine of saint francis xavier cabrini father welcome back to the show glad to have you with us good morning patrick thank you for inviting me back absolutely you're welcome anytime And especially as we are in the midst of this Advent season, which it always serves as a good reminder, I think, to say that we're not just focused on the coming of Christ at Christmas, which is part of it, of course, Mm -hmm. but uh, and reflecting on the great gift that Jesus's birth, uh, this giving of God of his only son to the world for our salvation. What a great gift that is. But we're also to be looking ahead to that time when Jesus will indeed return. How maybe just starting there. What's what are good ways of doing that?
1: Well, you were talking about a friend of yours in seminary. I, too, had a friend in seminary, um, Andy Milam, who is the executive and development director of the Sh- Gra- Shrine of the Grotto of the Redemption out in West Bend, Iowa. We had a very similar conversation Did you? Uh, Okay. many, <laughs> many years ago, back in the 90s. And some of our readers might be, wow, that's back in the old days. <laughs> but <laughs> we, had a, uh, we had a very, very, um, I guess, you know, excited conversation about faith and he used to tell me and I challenged him here's my part I was the challenger he would say okay every question can have an answer and is f- every answer is found in the creed and that stuck mm-hmm. in my head because he said there's always an answer for everything every question can be answered through the creed and it stuck it stuck in my head, and as I was preparing for the show today, I kept thinking, how, was, how does one um, answer all these questions, especially about the second coming of Christ? Well, because of this, I went back and looked at the creed, and it's interesting because the translation uh, revision that took place in the early 2000 became effective in 2011, mm-hmm. first Sunday of Advent in 2011. One of the big changes was, I believe instead of, we believe in one God. And so right. it was, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And in the creed, it says, I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. So in this sense, Andy reminded me, yeah, the answer is there. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead. And why do I do that? Because right above everything everything tells us this is God's goodness, and this is God's goodness played out in human history when we start entering in the area of Jesus Christ, and then the fulfillment of the promise. So just like, just like you, I had a friend who reminded me about why did our Lord do this? For love. Mm-hmm. And it is his desire that we might have everlasting life, the life of the world to come. Amen. And you know how people are, amen. We should say that with conviction. Amen. So be it. This is what we believe. This is what we expect.
0: Yeah, well, it's a good it's a good point, Father. And I uh, now well, thanks a lot. Now you've got me. Now you got another phrase for me to start, start reflecting <laughs> on as well. That every answer can be found in the creed. No, iron sharpening iron. That's what we're all about. I said it at the exactly. Of the show, right? Yeah, no, it's it's very good. Well, and I mean, I think that there's and my friend, of course, has a point that um, there's there's not necessarily this pervasive kind of. Uh, what should, what should I say? It's it, I mean it's not it's it's beyond anticipation that some some folks live uh, and maybe even in in some fear and trembling, which is not necessarily Absolutely. a bad thing. Um, and when we're co- contemplating the second coming of Christ, because we also say in the creed, He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Yeah, exactly. So let's let's dive into that. I mean, what does it mean to come in glory, and what does it mean that He is our judge? The bottom line issue is that. As Catholics in today's world
1: let's just get let's just get straight to the point we're soft. we are we we just we are therapeutic we go to church for therapy and it's it's a pretty uncomfortable thing to say but I've started getting more and more to the point as I've gotten older I'm thinking what is this all about you know Mm -hmm. in the past I've always said to our listeners well what is this all about why do you go to church do you question yourself? And so many of our things in life are just presumed, you know, Jesus is our bud and that, you know, who who am I to judge other people? Well, you know, there are things that are, that are necessary to judge. I mean, after all, we got up this morning, we decided what time we had to get up, whether we liked it or not. Some of us had to get up at <laughs> five in the morning to get ready to, you know, same ass, and it would be offensive to charity if I didn't brush my teeth and shower, you know. I <laughs> judge that even though it's, it's easier to just crawl out of bed and get vested. Sure. I made a judgment. And it's the same thing with all of us. We're too soft in the, in regards to there is right, there is wrong. And I believe it was Pope Benedict the Sixteenth back in the 80s when he wrote uh, uh, some sort of commentary, and he said, at the end of it all, only only truth can really truly be pastoral. Right? So, okay. are we soft? Absolutely. Does that mean is that doesn't imply judgment of we're bad people or good people? No. It implies that we have to know what why we're doing this. So he will come again to judge in glory to judge the living and the dead. Well, you know. It is his creation that has been handed over by the Father to him. It is his. And he has that right to see, have we, who have been entrusted with the care of his kingdom here on earth, done what we should do? And our Lord says that in scriptures. We were hearing it just a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Over and over again, our Lord says, you will have to account for it because you've been given a lot. You've been given a lot.
0: And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, to and to uh, to those who much has been given, much will be expected, right? I mean, there's that sort of sense of responsibility too. And right, the more we reflect, the more I reflect on my own my own shortcomings, my misgivings, my sins, my transgressions, and that sort of thing. And then the the more I tend to appreciate, right, the great right. gift that Christ Himself is that He is not only forgiving my sins, but He's He's doing so so that He can offer me into a participation in the divine life, which is. Again, mind blowing, and takes plenty of reflection and meditation time in and of itself. But oh, there wow. is this sense that yes, it it does it does come down to well, my will in some regards anyway is to am I accepting of this gift, or am I just taking it for granted? And that's and, what I'm thinking you're getting at when you say we're soft, yeah,
1: right? Because if you really uh, here here's the uh, here's the exhortatory part. Thanksgiving, we should always be thankful first and foremost we woke up this morning by god's will he kissed us and he said wake up my beloved arise Mm -hmm. right where today is the feast day of uh saint john of the cross and you know john of the cross and his wonderful wonderful exploration of the beloved and the loved that, that whole exploratory um relationship god in his infinite wisdom made only one of us so unique in the eyes of god we haven't We have a relationship that is so personal and intimate. Every single person has God's 100% attention. Mm -hmm. We, We matter to God. So he has given us the gift of life over the long hours of the night. We were kept safe with our guardian angel's help. You know, we had a body that went into rest mode. And literally, where do you think our computers get the sleep mode?
0: (laughs) Yeah, We talk about technology.
1: They're imitating us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And we
1: woke up because we stirred again to to life. And God has said, I've got something for you to do. I've got something for you to do. Rise and find me in this world. Mm. What a wonderful, wonderful thought.
0: Yeah. Father Ramil Fajardo is our spiritual director today or on the program. We're talking about the second coming of Christ, a good focus for this holy season of Advent. What do you think of the second coming of Christ? Does it fill you with hope? Does it fill you with fear or both? Maybe you have questions about what Christ's second coming is all about and what it means for your life in particular. Give us a call. Join the conversation. We'll open up the phone lines now. Our toll-free studio line is 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. That's 888-914-9149. And as always, if you'd prefer, you can send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, I think that you're already getting onto something here, Father, that uh, I I I guess intuitively or you know, with a little bit of an informed intuition here, uh, informed from the Gospels and the life of following Christ here, that uh, perhaps anticipation of Christ's second coming doesn't all boil down to you know spending the, the entire day in prayer and in reparation for our sins and in these things. But there's something more to say. We are we are engaging with God in whatever He would have us do this day.
1: Absolutely, um, our God loves freedom so much that he has given us our capacity to take what has been placed in front of us both good and especially the difficult notice i'm trying to avoid using the word bad because all of creation belongs to him everything belongs to him so as far as what we see and call bad air quotes there bad uh, it's really our perception of god's will for us and we have that participation in the building of the kingdom. In other words, what we would call bad, God would say, well, my son has said these are the works of mercy, spiritual and corporal. When we talk about people who are annoying us or are bothering us, then uh, we would say, oh, you know, this is a bad situation. Well, again, if we rectify our intention, well, we can always say, this person doesn't understand me. Mm-hmm. All right, and there are there are genuinely people who are going to be forever uh, implacable or unreachable, but we won't know that until the end of time. Mm-hmm. Planting a seed, and our Lord says all you can do is just get up, wipe the dust off your uh, shake the dust off your feet, and just keep moving, yeah. keep moving. You know, right. I've heard that so many times. Why, uh, remove the dust from your feet. I don't recall it actually necessarily having to always be a rebuke. Sometimes it just means start again.
0: Yeah. That's a good point as well. So many times we're, we're lured into these conversations where, um, yeah, we might not be seeing eye to eye with a person. We might just have some sort of just a a distaste for who knows their personality or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And yet, um, yeah, it might just be start again, start again and move on. Don't, don't engage in in something that's going to be less than helpful. But as you were saying, father plant the seed, let me go back to something that you offered earlier on father. I think that's worth emphasizing, which is the whole idea of waking up and being throughout the day. Thankful. What role do you think gratitude has to play in terms of our getting ready for the second coming of Christ?
1: Everything. Otherwise we wouldn't have Eucharist. Mm. Eucharistia Thanksgiving. In other words, everything it is the Lord it is the Lord gratitude has everything to do with it and I have been thinking a lot ever since we went into October with you know uh, all Hallows Eve going into all Saints Day praying for the faithful departed Uh, and it's this idea that we are we're thankful because we've been given a lot the gift of life is the biggest thank you that we could ever offer our lives in and of itself. It's up to us how we respond to the Lord. Remember the parable of the talents a few weeks ago? Are you five, two or one? Hmm. Right. And a, 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 an oil barrel, a bucket or a thimble when it's filled is still filled. Yeah. And many times it could be overflowing. So what is our potential? What is what? And, and again, the parable points out that God was telling him, I've chosen you out of all those who work for me, who are who are, you know, employees of mine. I chose the three of you, knowing full well you could do up to your fullest capacity. Hmm. So, yeah, everything. What is that gratitude? Everything, everything, yeah. because we wouldn't use Eucharist if it wasn't the greatest of all gifts.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think I've got to say, too, as I'm looking at going back to the ironing, iron sharpening iron thing, too, as I look at the people around me, brothers and sisters in Christ, and I look at their—I think one of the most admirable lives or, or the moments in life that I see from from these brothers and sisters is when they're faced with a difficult situation, and yet they're still able to say— Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And even they can be specific, you know, thank you thank you, that I didn't get what I wanted here because it's teaching me patience and it's drawing me into closer relationship with you and making me a better vessel of your love to others. So I think that, right. I think even just seeing gratitude uh, in others is an incredible encouragement for me and for all of us.
1: Right. And another thing that I, I remember always hearing before, we were talking earlier about people who may be a challenge, Right, they mm-hmm. they could be very difficult. They could be a challenge. Uh, they always, uh, I've always heard it. It was kind of, you know, kind of a, a, a less than, you know, flattering thing to say. But, you know, if you can't be this, then at least don't be an example. Right, don't be an example of what not to be. Yeah. And if you see difficulties, at least here's the learning curve. Not everything's positive. Sometimes there is looking at it in a negative sense this is going to be a thing to work on Mm -hmm. so let's just let's just throw it out there for our for our listeners you're having a tough time in in your office or or wherever and people are are surly they they don't smile they don't this that or the other thing first thing do we do we behave as a disciple and secondly do we see this as an opportunity to say okay do i come across that way And be, (laughs) you know, don't be that. Don't be that. Somebody even told me just the other day that a parish mission statement, which really struck me is be a disciple, make a disciple. Right? yeah that's there's evangelization right there
0: I like that yeah yeah and to your to your previous point too I think sometimes other people can be the greatest mirror that are ever held up to to our faces <laughs> exactly. right exactly. our spiritual don't director be that today. yeah don't be that right <laughs> our spiritual director today father Ramil fajardo which is leading us through a discussion on the second coming of Christ if you have uh, thoughts, questions about the second coming of Christ, what does it mean for your life, give us a call. Join the conversation at 888 Again, eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine, or our email address, at relevantradio.com. We're going to get into more about what the church teaches about the second coming of Christ after this first short break. We'll be back with more of the Inner Life coming up right after this. Stay with us. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for independent thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash UDallas. Back to the Inner Life. You're on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Patrick Conley, and, uh, you know, we're talking about the second coming of Christ, and I think one of the things that we definitely have gotten into and want to continue to get into is just all the ways in which the Lord provides opportunities for us to uh, continue to start again, as Father Ramil Fajardo, our spiritual director for today, has said. And one of the people who started again very well in literature, of course, is old Ebenezer Scrooge. And if you're not following along, please do jump over to adventwithscrooge.com for this advent audio audio advent calendar that's coming your way each day with a snippet from a christmas carol true to the original text and featuring world-class radio actors in top-notch theater the mind audio again adventwithscrooge.com check it out um father and there's many many wonderful things that uh that we want to get into and can talk about but let's let's start out by going to the phones patty is calling in from oregon patty welcome to the inner life thanks for calling in Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. Um, Good morning. Well, with me, I have a mental illness. It's schizoaffective disorder, anxiety, and depression. And sometimes I get afraid of the second coming. And I love God with
1: all my heart. That's... Patty, thanks for your call. The important thing to remember is that our Lord's second coming is fulfillment. He made a promise to us that He would never leave us unattended. And that is fulfilled, firstly, in the sacraments. All right? The perfection of that promise is found in the sacraments. Secondly, it's also found in the community of the church. So we support one another through Jesus, with Jesus, and in Jesus, right? So the community of the church using our Lord as the center of unity helps each other through the sacraments. So to answer your question, um, remember that in the first epistle of St. John, chapter 4, around verse 12 through 16, John the beloved said there is no fear in love because perfect love drives away casts out all fear <laughs> so the first and most important thing for you to remember is that God is love Pope Benedict the wrote a whole encyclical on Caritas Deus Caritas Est. God is love using that particular epistle and chapter as a foundation all right? So, the fear can come about when we realize how sin has infected the world and, to to some extent, us. And therefore, we see that God, as a just judge, must set things right. But you have the will <laughs> to say, I am your beloved, and I am calling upon your great divine mercy and to remember always, Lord, your promise. Your promise was to always, always love me. Mm-hmm. And I, in turn, bring my broken, weakened love towards you. But remember again, our Lord, again, mm-hmm. lis- read, follow the readings in the Missal, the parable, for example, of the prodigal son the father's love is prodigal. It was so extravagant. It was so lavish that he sees his son across on the horizon from looking down from the mountain and the father runs to greet the son, the fallen and the destitute son, when all of the parable is indicating that our Lord says, you know, the father's friends were like, no, make him climb the mountain. Make him get on his hands and knees and kiss your feet. He needs to do that to get your forgiveness but what did our lord say no the father ran so the parable is reminding us that in the ancient days the father was sacrificing his dignity among his friends by running down to meet him and just say get up get up get up you're my beloved son i'm not going to make you grovel there's no fear in this love of mine so patty for yourself there is no fear in love because our lord is coming to set everything right Those who should be afraid are those who have separated themselves very deliberately, and that's not your case. It doesn't seem that way. You know, your understanding is that there's so much in the world that needs to be set straight. Our Lord will take care of that. But you, you stay in love. Mm -hmm. Stay in love with the Lord. That's his promise to you. He loves you. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Amen. Patty, I hope that helps. It helps me to hear it and to be reminded of that, that the Father is one who will run to embrace us as well. Thanks for the call, Patty. I appreciate you calling in. Let's go now to Gloria calling in from Miami, Florida. Gloria, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling.
1: Um, Thank you. Um, I just wanted to say what it means to me is it is so important. It is so important that he did this for us, that he gives us a second chance, to come to him and that's such a blessing to me i needed to hear this word today because i've been foolish living of the world and i am so grateful that he's such
0: a forgiving and mighty god Mm -hmm. i'm so grateful god bless you guys please continue i stumbled on this station because god led me to the station to hear his word and i thank you bless you guys so much thank you hey, have a wonderful- amen Gloria
1: <laughs> you too and a amen. blessed Christmas there's a wonderful testimony right there amen Gloria is a wonderful reminder that our God says arise arise my beloved get up get up you know you're called as an heir to the kingdom get up do not be afraid do not allow yourself to stay down arise I summon you and that mm-hmm. really is a beautiful picture of of the second coming mm-hmm. i think for purposes of our discussion today let's let's use the prodigal son as a wonderful example the father came again to meet him and he didn't wait for him to get very far he sees him it's like he's off he's off and running so perhaps maybe in our current time in 2023 that distance between the top of the hill and the bottom of the hill where we are trying to climb it it's kind of a long way <laughs> but time mm-hmm. is you know time belongs to, to god so we don't have to worry he's coming though He's coming for us. He's running to embrace us. Just get up. Get up from sin. Get up from your fallenness. Start again. Start again. Dust yourself off and begin again. And he will dress us. He will heal us. He will bathe us in his love.
0: Mm. Amen. Gloria, thank you. It's always such a blessing to hear from listeners who are obviously being bent by the Lord in such powerful ways through everything that happens here on Relevant Radio, not just on The Inner Life, but in all the things that we offer, because that's our mission, to bring Christ to the world through the media. I'm glad that he was brought to you in this special broadcast today that we're doing here on The Inner Life. We're talking about the second coming of Christ with our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo. And we are yeah, exploring all the wonderful ways in which God is pre- helping us to prepare for His second coming in the second and third and 586 chances that He's giving us um, <laughs> to be in His good graces yet again. Father, a couple of calls have come in, off-air calls. Uh, Mary from California, for example, asks specifically maybe a little clarification. Our Protestant brothers and sisters have various teachings about the rapture. And when we're talking about the second coming of Christ, um, that's always uh, can be a confusing topic for people who are you know catholic and and seeking to follow the church's teaching on that so can you do some clarification about what the catholic church's view of rapture is
1: well it's you know it's tough because there is an element here of uh, lack of details but also it is very specific in the uh, in Paul's epistles to the Thessalonians, uh, uh, chapter four, we see the reference. Actually, you know, sidebar thought: the, uh, we saw this particular reading, I think, about the twenty-third week of ordinary time, so a few months ago, this came up on a Monday, on a Monday cycle reading, and it's a. Uh, uh, let me see if I can find it here. The, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus, we shall always be with the Lord therefore console one another with these words okay the catholic understanding is first and foremost this is complex because we talk about this as a uh, separated christian a protestant interpretation and it has meaning for them in a very specific way all right as catholics and i'm uh, i'm open to hearing what patrick what you have to offer here uh my understanding is that as catholics it is part of the pauline epistles and it broadly demonstrates that we as Catholics understand, yes, Christ will come again. Uh, we don't take this particular passage as a, a literal except for the fact that we will be summoned. We will rise again from the dead. That's, that's why, again, for my friend Andy, uh, the Creed has all the answers. We will rise he, we will rise again to meet the Lord. Uh, The Lord will come in glory. He will summon us and we will rise to new life in Christ for our judgment. And I understand this passage to mean, yes, we believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. And that this particular passage is a reminder of that. But as Catholics, we have a broader, broader stroke of understanding that this is a part of it. But we see this nuance being played out in the sacraments, in our eschatological understanding of Scripture, in so many different ways the Church shows us, here's a promise. And then liturgical, like I said, the creed, I believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life mm-hmm. of the world to come. So as far as my understanding, and and I believe, Patrick, maybe you can help me out here, I believe that this is a portion, but we don't exclusively use it. We that, will... Yeah be summoned by our Lord
0: amen yeah and I that would that would coincide with my understanding of it as well I mean I, without getting too much into the details of it yes I I do believe that we we believe of course that uh, we will come together us all together at his second coming certainly absolutely um but in terms of other terms that enter into it as well um you know millennial pre-millennial post-millennial a-millennial uh, that sort of things uh, i don't right. know that it's worth going into the details of that right now but i think the the right. focal point as you've pointed out father is just that 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 jesus is coming again he's coming in glory he's coming to judge we absolutely believe that but he's coming to to Bring us home to to run to meet us, right, and to put the robe on us, to put the ring on our finger, and shoes on our feet, and uh, it, it just seems to be a, a great promise, right then and there, of of how of how he loves us and how he he pays so much attention to us, exactly, Father, exactly. yeah. Um, I'm I'm just uh, weighing whether or not it's worth getting into this before the break. Well, I'll pitch it out to you, Father, and if we need to, we can take some time after the break as well, if need be. But um, specifically, uh, another figure that enters into this and does have some scriptural as well as uh, appearing in the Catechism as well is this whole idea of the Antichrist. Um, the Antichrist. This is from the Catechism. The Antichrist deception already begins to take shape in the world every time the claim is made to realize within history that messianic hope which can only be realized beyond history through the eschatological judgment now there's a lot of f- fancy church words in that but mm-hmm. i guess the question i would have is what or who is the antichrist
1: oh wow yeah. let me let me preface it by let me preface it by buying a little bit of time for myself here <laughs>
0: <Sure. Yeah. laughs> that's honest back, yeah.
1: back in september uh drew mariani and a group from relevant radio went to italy for mm-hmm. a Eucharistic Revival pilgrimage and I was I was very honored and blessed to have been invited to act as one of four chaplains and one of our stops was the small mountain town or hill town of Orvieto and in their cathedral they have a very famous fresco by Luca Signorelli called the preaching of the antichrist huh, and yep. in this painting there is this fresco there is a figure who if you didn't know better it was christ himself it just looked so um, amazingly this is a very famous fresco by the way but here's a figure preaching and pointing to his chest to his breast but what was so disturbing about this was right behind this figure was satan you know who it was because he's kind of like a dark figure with his hand pointing through the tunic of this figure and whispering in his ear and Signorelli was depicting the preaching of the Antichrist. Okay. Okay. So, it was interesting because the Antichrist apes Christ. It is someone who is seemingly like the Lord but is being deceptive that this person is an agent of the devil through and through and that Satan himself is intricately tied in with this antichrist figure okay Mm -hmm. i'm going to default to signorelli's interpretation because i think it's the best there have been many many writings about trying to identify who this person is i think many times when we play numerology people say oh you know that was uh that was nero because if you count the numbers of the name well the antichrist 666 numerology says that that's nero and then you get into the renaissance Period and people are talking about oh that had to have been Napoleon or it prefigured Napoleon it prefigured um, I don't know emperors and 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 figures of the past. Some have even gone to say that it prefigured into the 20th century some of our notorious uh, some of our notorious villains. Mm-hmm. Right? Who is the Antichrist? I think this fresco by Signorelli was a good interpretation that those who ape Christ are not necessarily are not are not in fact christ right there's Mm -hmm. only one way one truth and one life and that our lord will drive away all doubts that's why we stay close to the lord Mm -hmm. this fresco is brilliant because it shows how just because you say lord lord doesn't mean we're actually doing it
0: yeah an excellent point, Father. Thank you for that. We're speaking about the second coming of Christ. If you have questions about the second coming of Christ into our world today, and specifically what it means for your spiritual life, your growth, and your relationship with the Lord, give us a call. Join the conversation at eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Again, eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email as well, if you'd prefer, inner life at relevantradio.com. We're going to take our next break. We'll be right back right after this. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash UDallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Thomas Angus are taking your phone calls today. And just remember, uh, I hope that you're following along also with the Advent Carols of Comfort and Joy uh, here that we're offering. Just a great way to be in preparation, not only for the coming of Christ to Christmas, but also as we're talking today about the second coming of Christ to help you get ready for that as well. Uh, those can be found by going to relevantradio.com slash carols. Again, RelevantRadio.com slash carols. Well, we are indeed talking about the second coming of Christ here on the show today with our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo, who serves the Archdiocese of Chicago in numerous ways. And uh, one of the ways is rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. And father as we're speaking about this I mean just so many wonderful things that we're we're getting into here and you were, we were just talking about the antichrist we've talked a, a little bit about you know uh, timing of of Christ's return and I know that we can go kind of overboard with that like you were suggesting that you know maybe identifying this person as the antichrist that this person is the antichrist we can go overboard with saying Jesus is going to return on this day at this hour you know we've seen that um and that at the same time our lord himself um, does tell us about some of the signs at the end. I'm thinking specifically from Luke chapter 21. Uh, he talks about signs that uh, that must come. Uh, verse 11, for instance, he says, there will be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. So I guess my question to you is, Father, it seems like, it's a little dangerous to go too far in either direction for one being overly, you know, kind of trying to pinpoint when it's going to happen or or how it's going to happen versus maybe not paying any attention to it at all.
1: Correct. This is a, it's a really tough question. This is really very difficult because it could mean the antichrist is a single person, but it can also be anyone opposed to Christ. Right. Mm, In Thomas Aquinas I, I wish I had my Aquinas here with me, but uh, when he talks about the four last things, Aquinas himself, when he says Antichrist, he de- it's designated broadly, right? Someone mm-hmm. who is Christ's adversary, all right, and there can be many of them, or uh, what is the Greek term? Antonom- Antonomasia, Antonomasia, mm-hmm. specifically someone who is coming at the end of the world as a true and bitter enemy of Christ. Okay. Mm-hmm. even thomas aquinas says okay there's an interpretation here all right what our lord says though is we we take our lord at his word but also and again back to the first epistle of saint john this time chapter 2 verse 18 he talks about the antichrists, plural where yeah. john the beloved says children it is the last hour and just as you heard that the Antichrist was coming, so now many Antichrists have appeared. And what does he say? Those who desert. Those who didn't remain faithful. They were not really of our number. Those who were anointed, but with knowledge, but then it becomes alien to the truth. All those who lie. Who is the liar? Whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Whoever denies the Father and the Son, this is the Antichrist. Okay. So, in conjunction with what our Lord says in Luke, we also take St. John here. The last of the apostles, the deposit of faith, died with John or concluded with John when he died. What does John say? Those who are unfaithful, those especially who have been given anointing of truth and have become traitors. Mm-hmm. He was very harsh. And this is the man who is constantly writing, God is love. God is love. But here he's saying, those who turn against the truth. Knowing full well what they have seen, what they have been allowed to to perceive, to have known the truth and turned against it. So, you know, Patrick, you're correct. We can go from one extreme of trying to look for someone specific, pinpoint the moment, pinpoint the time, pinpoint the the person who will trigger this versus, well, you know, that's just a fairy tale. Okay. Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> Either extreme is wrong. Either extreme is wrong, but I think John is saying, let's not be antichrist in the broad sense of the word. We are Mm. for Christ. We are Mm -hmm. his mystical body. We're not a cancer in that body.
0: Yes. I like that. I like that analogy as well. We are not a cancer in that body. And, uh, you know, our producer, our astute producer, Nick, has put um, his in preparation for today's show. He gave us a quote from St. John Paul II's general audience. This goes back. This is uh, searchable on the Internet, by the way. St. John Paul II, his general audience on Wednesday, April 22nd in 1998. And this is what he says. He says history advances towards its goal, but Christ has not specified any chronological date. Therefore, he says, attempts to predict the end of the world, and therefore are therefore deceptive and misleading. But this this is a great line. He says, Christ has assured us only that the end will not come before His saving work has reached a universal dimension through the preaching of the gospel. So let's dive into that a little bit, Father. Um, so there is a connection between the ongoing preaching of the gospel, the evangelization that we've already talked about today, um, the evangelization and Christ's return. You want to mention a few things about that? God made this world of ours,
1: and it was called to salvation. Christ didn't die on the cross to have a specific timeline and say, all right, time's up. Yeah. The default position that our Lord has is, I need all creation to know the saving power of God, that the Word was made flesh. And so we can count on the promise that our God will give us as many opportunities, not chances, no, opportunities to write things, to make things right, to join our Lord in bringing the good news to all of creation. There's a lot of work to be done because, because of sin, death has entered the world. So it's a constant renewal over and over again. God did not start uh, or allow things like wonderful religious movements and experiences and expressions to have a time limit. Okay, they were founded 25 years ago. Ah, time's up. That's not the way. This quote from Pope St. John Paul, um, thank you, Nick, this is wonderful because it is a reminder. Look outward. Don't be so fixated with building that fortress and everybody, you know, it's, it's kind of like bad science fiction movies, horror movies, you know, the, the zombie horde, come on, you know, that's our, our we're called to be, uh, we're called to be evangelizers. We're called to go out into the world and yeah. not as warriors wielding a sword, but as sowers of peace, joy, and love, this world hurts and there are people who hurt and who in turn hurt others including ourselves you know the rejection is real but that's why we have the cross and not just the cross we have the crucifix which we can carry in our pocket we wear it around our neck so for sure we know who this is we're so identified with Christ when we touch that crucifix when we look at it we're reminded he was hurt well the servant is not greater than than the master we're, we're just his servants So we're called to be Christ in the world. Go out and be Christ.
0: Amen. Great way of preparing for Christ's second coming is by proclaiming and pronouncing his first coming and all that he has come to give us in that. We'll put a link, actually, in our show notes to that general audience. It's a it's a brief little reading, and I think it's very helpful, from St. John Paul II uh, back in 1998. We'll put a link in the show notes there, so check that out. And uh, as long as we're talking Holy Fathers here, Pope Francis, in relation to the Second Coming, uh, has also said, from this perspective, there's also comes an invitation to sobriety, to not be controlled by the things of this world, by material reality, but rather to govern them. So there's also a link between kind of the being stewards of the created reality and not being, not letting them have mastery over us, too.
1: Right. Remember, let's go back to the parable of the uh, dishonest steward in the gospel. Our Lord says the master entrusted the steward with control. And what did he do? He would abuse and, and misuse that was, uh, you know, my master's going to take his time, whatever, so let's have a good time. Uh, no, that is because, number one, a mere human master wouldn't know until he got back, but God knows everything. God Mm. knows everything. So he entrusted to us so much, we're being watched and being, um, you know, corrected constantly by our God, and our consciences are that correction. He's speaking to us through our conscience and saying, are you you fulfilling what you're supposed to be doing, Mm -hmm. right? So God, very gently, but we can lose that gentleness if we choose to turn off our consciences. So the Holy Father, Pope Francis, talks about that. We are stewards, and that's not any different from what the Church's teaching has always been. He's reminding us, be sober. Take your vocation seriously. God is, in fact, uh, taking care of us, but he's also, you know, he has to remind us, be careful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a, well, it and it's a reminder that I personally need every day. I know that, you know, be careful, be careful. There are there are pitfalls out there and I know my Absolutely. own weaknesses, but thanks be to God that in my weakness he is strong. Yeah, so grateful for that. Well, Father, just in our closing a uh, couple of minutes here before we ask for your blessing. I think I want to go back to where we started from that um as I've reflected on my friends, uh, my friends challenge of, you know, you don't really live this way. I think what's really come down to it is that, look, if I'm living a well-ordered life, a life that is centered around Christ and what his will is for me, then whether I am, you know, I'm, I'm praying or I'm working or I'm spending time with family or I'm even in my recreational times that I I should have no, I should have no ultimate fear about that. A fear of the Lord. Yes, but no ultimate fear about Christ's second coming. Would would you say I'm, I'm on the right track there?
1: Absolutely. The uh, the issue is this. It's not so much that you don't live like you think of it, but we need constant reminders to s- get back get back to live soberly, as Pope Francis says. There's a reason for what we do. So anyone that comes to me for confession, uh, you, you know this. I've said this before on, on air. If a person comes to me for confession, the first thing I'm going to ask is, so how is a prayer life? Do you do mm. mental prayer? It's not simply saying, I pray, but are you conversing with the Lord, right? Because that's the very first way of showing I am open to his voice in my heart, all right? It's not just rattling off prayers, and that's where the correction needs to take place, Patrick. It is not a presumption. We need to be very deliberate. Deliberation. So, you you know, you're not wrong, but it's a good reminder. Yeah, you know what? Maybe, I, uh, maybe I'm maybe i on a autopilot. Maybe I need to get back to deliberate prayer and deliberate spiritual life.
0: Yeah. Praying without ceasing. That seems to be something that St. Paul would encourage us all to do. Wonderful. That's a topic for a different time though, Father, as we have reached the end of this hour. Thank you so much for being our spiritual director. May we have a blessing from you, please. In the name of the
1: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Through the intercession of St. John of the Cross, whose memorial we celebrate this day, may we always remember that at the end of our lives, we will be judged by our love. Almighty and gracious God, help us always to remember your love and to transmit that to all the world entrusted to us. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Amen. A stellar blessing from our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo. Remember, you can always go over to relevantradio.com slash inner life and you can check out past shows and share them with others there. Coming up next, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with our mass with our celebrant Father Rich Getchel. And tomorrow on the program, Joy and Gaudete Sunday. Hope you can join us. Until then, grace and peace.